0: Welcome to Michigan Opera Theatre's Opera Here podcast. This is Andrea Scoby
1: and Arthur White
0: with Michigan Opera Theatre.
1: We are thrilled you have joined us today as we preview Leonard Bernstein's satirical and comedic operetta, Candide. It has been 28 years since Michigan Opera Theater has produced this opera, and on today's podcast we will tell you about the story of Candide, give you a bit about its history, and we'll be joined by one of the principal characters in the stage production which opens March 9th and runs through March 17th.
0: Before we begin, we want to recognize and give a heartfelt thanks to Jake Near and WDET for their assistance in producing our Opera Here podcasts. So Arthur, tell us the story of Candide.
1: Well, Candide is based off the Voltaire novella of the same name, which premiered back in 1956 on Broadway. The opera centers around the hero Candide. Candide's teacher, the philosopher Dr. Pangloss, has taught Candide that we all live in the best of all possible worlds and that even in spite of all the uh, world's troubles and calamities, that everything happens in the end for the best. Now, this philosophy of his is put to the test when Candide suffers sort of a litany of all these calamities. Um, He first uh, is separated from the woman he loves, Cunegonda. Then he finds out later that she's been tragically murdered. Uh, He leaves uh, Germany and travels to Lisbon looking for work. Uh, but once he arrives, or the day he arrives, there's an earthquake which kills 30,000 people. And he's immediately arrested by the church and accused of heresy. Well, once he gets through that, he shows up in Paris now at a party where he happens to see Kunigonde, this his lover, his former lover, who he realizes is alive and well and ironically and comically it's never questioned as to why she's alive or how she comes to be alive. They just sort of continue on with their relationship. Uh, but he, Candide has inadvertently, though, killed two of her former lovers, uh, one which was a, a rich banker and the other was the Cardinal Archbishop of the Catholic Church there in Paris. Uh, so the two now flee by boat. To South America, Montevideo, Uruguay, trying to get away from the authorities who were chasing them. But once they arrive, Candide is convinced uh, that they are hot on his trail and have almost caught him, so they separate again. And during this time of three years of separation, they have survived uh, starvation, uh, they're almost drowned, she's forced to uh, basically into slavery. Uh, but they meet up again three years later in Venice during the carnival celebration. And the two kind of try to reconcile their relationship, realizing that the optimism of Act One has sort of waned by this point. They realize and embrace pragmatism, and they are in effect married, and the opera ends happily.
0: Like each of M.O.T.'s operas this season, Candide is based on a great literary masterwork. Written in 1759 by French philosopher Voltaire, the satire Candide contends with The Problem of Evil— Along the way, it skewers religion, theologians, governments, armies, philosophies, and philosophers. Its chief target is a theory of philosophy known as optimism, which was popular at the time. Not just lowercase O, look on the bright side thinking, but uppercase O, optimism. A theory which, in its simplest terms, declares that God is good. Therefore, the universe that God chose to exist is the best of all possible worlds. Once
2: one dismisses the rest of all possible worlds, one finds that this is
0: the best of all
2: possible worlds. Once one dismisses the rest of all
0: possible worlds. Events in his lifetime like the Seven Years' War and the 1755 Lisbon earthquake sharpened Voltaire's skepticism against the theory of optimism. He was, in effect, wrestling with ideas that humans still ask today— If there is a just, good, and all-powerful God, why do evil and injustice and suffering exist? Voltaire was a prominent figure in the Age of Enlightenment, also known as the Age of Reason, and he popularized its ideals amongst French intellectuals. He was very outspoken about promoting the common sense ideas of the Enlightenment, that reason could free humankind from superstition and religious authoritarianism. The Enlightenment focused on the power of human rationality, and the movement provided a framework for the American and French revolutions. Some of its leaders included Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin, among others, like John Locke, Isaac Newton, and Mary Wollstonecraft. By the end of Voltaire's novel, Candide turns from optimism to a more pragmatic stance, advocating that we must cultivate our garden. That is, we must take responsibility for our own destinies, our choices and their outcomes, and that we must develop our own ideas. Today, Candide is recognized as Voltaire's magnum opus and is among the most frequently taught works of French literature.
1: Andrea, similar to the journey of its title character, the artistic evolution of Candide has been epic. Uh, As one director noted in 2004, no two productions of Bernstein's Candide have ever been presented the same way since its Broadway premiere all in search of the best of all possible candides. Uh, What would you say is the story behind the many different productions throughout these years?
0: Yeah, well, the journey, as you put it, the epic journey, uh, is pretty apt. It all started in 1953 when the acclaimed playwright Lillian Hellman proposed to composer Leonard Bernstein that they adapt Voltaire's Candide for musical theater. We've talked a little about the many ideas and institutions satirized in the novel, including the church, And Hellman and Bernstein both saw a real link between the Inquisition's church-sponsored purges and the Washington witch trials of the House Un-American Activities Committee. Both artists had very personal experiences and were subject to intense FBI monitoring during the McCarthy era. Bernstein was unable to procure a passport until he signed a sworn affidavit stating that he was not a communist. I know that I personally tend to think of Arthur Miller's The Crucible as the theatrical piece on McCarthyism, but it's really interesting to note that Candide started there as well. Candide opened on Broadway in 1956, and although it wasn't a critical success, Bernstein's music was highly praised, with one review calling the score Ingenious. Throughout the rest of the 50s and 60s, Candide was produced with some revision, including a new Bernstein composition, words 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 <laughs> added in 1971. <laughs> words 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 words. I have no words to describe the vanity of life, the insane of life. I have no But a 1973 <laughs> production conceived by Hal Prince signaled a major shift for this piece. Prince felt that Hellman's book was too heavy for Bernstein's Lively score, and he brought in Hugh Wheeler to write a brand new version reusing Bernstein's music. The production had an immersive staging, it was set in a circus, and it included new and revised lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Lillian Hellman was furious about these revisions, and she withdrew her original book and lyrics from use. After that, multiple iterations continued to follow, now using Hugh Wheeler's book. Presentations at the Brooklyn Academy of Music included new orchestration, and New York City Opera's 1982 production reinstated previously cut music numbers. Then in 1988, uh, the Scottish Opera in Glasgow received a new treatment from the composer himself, with restoration of some original orchestration alongside some newly altered orchestrations, including Glitter and Be Gay. The official Leonard Bernstein website addresses the many, many versions of the operetta in a particularly fitting way. The site reads, like its hero, Candide is perhaps destined never to find its perfect form and function. In the final analysis, however, that may prove philosophically appropriate.
1: As we celebrate Bernstein's 100th anniversary, there is so much to discuss musically with Candide, and even more when discussing Leonard Bernstein himself. He is one of the giants of American music, born of Russian immigrant parents. He grew up in Boston and attended Harvard University. He was a composer, a conductor, author, lecturer, and pianist. He was among the first conductors born and educated in the United States to receive worldwide acclaim. As a composer, he wrote in many styles, encompassing symphonic, orchestral music, ballet, film, musical theater, choral works, opera, chamber music, and pieces for the piano. In 1958, he was named music director of the New York Philharmonic, only the second American ever named to lead a major American orchestra. And he was a major figure in reviving the music of Gustav Mahler. In fact, at his burial in 1990, a score of Mahler's Fifth Symphony was placed across his heart. The score of Candide is distinctively American, but Bernstein draws on European inspiration. You can hear dance forms such as the gavotte, mazurka, polka, and waltz, but you can also hear the influence of jazz, Stravinsky, tango, Mahler, and Gilbert and Sullivan. His overture to Candide has become a part of the standard repertory of orchestra and it's no wonder from its very first notes. One of the most recognizable pieces of music in Candide is Cunegonda's coloratura aria, Glitter and Be Gay. It's a total showpiece for a soprano who can sing very high. It has three high E-flats above high C, a host of fast and intricate passages, and all this is done with great comic timing as Cunegonda tries on all her fabulous jewelry. A true tour de force. was able to wed the European classical tradition with what was truly American. This is evident in his setting of Voltaire's masterpiece Candide and Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet in West Side Story, which he worked on simultaneously during 1956.
0: Those are two huge projects to do at the same time. He was a master.
1: Indeed.
0: (laughs) Arthur, I think this is so interesting because you let me know that um, you were familiar with the operetta, but you hadn't read Voltaire's novella. So, in preparation for M.O.T., Producing Candide this year, you read Voltaire's work for the first time. Um, what was that like for you? What did you find in the text that um, you hadn't experienced with the operetta?
1: I was surprised to learn that this idea of the best of all possible worlds, Voltaire didn't believe in that at all from the from the very <laughs> beginning. I didn't really see it in the, in the piece because it's kind of masked because, you know, Candide is following this idea of optimism, but it's clear to me but between the satire uh, and the ridicule that is used, especially uh, dealing with the with the church, right. it's clear to me that from the very first words. He is not convinced and believes in optimism at all. But I think he wants us to sort of come to that revelation on our own. And so I think that's one of the things that surprised me about this piece.
0: Right, and and one thing that I recently read too, um, recently learned from you, Arthur, that in an interview, uh, Bernstein actually said, speaking about this piece, that he hoped that through the satire, through the laughter, um, America would be able to engage in a little bit of self-reflection about what was going on um, because this was during the McCarthy era, as we already discussed. Um, and then I think it's interesting to note with Hugh Wheeler's update to the book later in the 1970s, you know, folks tend to connect it a little bit more with Watergate. So, mm. as we're going through sort of American history, you know, examining where we are and being reflective and a little bit critical and kind of laughing at it a little bit, I think, is That's important. That's right. And right? it
1: seems to come around every few years where right. someone would, <laughs> would uh, draw parallels to what's going on today in our political right. world. Right. Uh, but I was going to say, you know, Prashow closed, I think, after 73 performances on Broadway, right. which was considered at the time a flop. You know, I'm thinking any composer today would love to have 60 or 73 performances <laughs> of their opera done today. That would be a great success. So it's just kind of interesting how right. we look at things today a little differently than we did uh, just a few years ago.
0: Right. Well, and the difference, too, between an opera production and musical theater, which Candide really skirts the line between, you know, Bernstein always called it an operetta. Right. You know, he didn't really, he didn't say it was an opera. He didn't say it was musical theater. Right. It was this bridge piece.
1: I think I think because the only reason why we considered it probably an operetta is because of the, the, all the dialogue dy- dialogue. Mm-hmm. Typically in operas, you know, as is- Usually all sung, and so technically it couldn't be an opera, but it does. Yeah, it, it definitely looks like an operetta. <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> But I can understand a musical
1: theater person might be thinking it's just a musical theater piece.
0: Right, and and I grew up with you know Candide thinking it was a piece of musical theater. So looking at it now from an operatic standpoint, I think talking about the musical influences, the classical music influences in this piece, um, has been really interesting and enlightening. Yeah.
1: Well, I was gonna say for my case, uh, growing up, when I the first thing I knew was glitter and be gay. Which was as difficult as any aria in any opera. So I always saw it, I approached it as kind of being operatic from day one in my, in my mind. Right. We are delighted to welcome one of the stars of Michigan Opera Theater's production of Candide. She'll be playing Cunegonda. She is the former MOT studio artist and a good friend, Miss Monica Dewey. Monica, thank you for joining us.
0: Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So, Monica, why did you decide to take up the role of Kunigonda for the first time now in your career?
2: Well, uh, Kunigonda has always been a dream role of mine. I love Bernstein's music, and Candide is, in my opinion, just everything you want in a piece of theater. So, um, yeah, I felt like my voice was ready for a major step like this. I've done some bigger roles in my repertoire so far. So Kunigonda is just something I felt like I could tackle right now. And uh, at a place like Michigan where I know the staff, I know the audiences, and it's it's a bit like coming
0: home. So I'm really looking forward to it. Good. We can't wait to hear you sing it. Um, have you had other experience singing Bernstein's music? Yes. Some of my absolute favorite things to sing,
2: uh, are written by Bernstein. Um, I have done a lot of choir pieces, you know, the Chichester Psalms I've done by him. Um, I am a big fan of West Side Story, and I'm also just a big fan of singing in English. So, uh, and this text is, you know, just scrumptious. I'm really excited to tackle it. So yeah, um, Bernstein's, music has been in my past, and I'm happy to make it part of my future.
1: Monica, during the aria, Glitter and Be Gay, one of the most impossible and iconic coloratura arias to (laughs) sing, what are you focused on vocally and dramatically?
2: Ooh, vocally and dramatically. Hmm. I guess I'd have to say vocally, I am really focused on breath and making sure that I feel grounded and that I'm not panicking, right? Because as soon as you start to panic about what's coming ahead, it's gonna be, you know, it's not gonna go well. Um,
1: so first and, things first, don't get ahead of yourself. I guess when you're
2: exactly stay in the present moment, um, try to maintain some sort of zen, and yeah, stay grounded, keep breathing. Uh, yeah, because it, I mean, it is um, it's a tour de force, right? It's a showstopper, and yeah, everybody knows this piece. It's part of the reason they come to Candide, um, to be entertained. So yeah, no pressure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and dramatically it's, you know, it, it's way over the top. Um, Kunigonda is a woman who lives through pleasure and you have to portray that. Right. And, um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to see what the director has in mind for staging.
0: Um there have been such incredible performers who've tackled this role in the past. Uh, Barbara Cook, Madeline Kahn, Harolyn Blackwell, Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, what does it mean to you to follow in the footsteps of some of these incredible performers?
2: Well, I it's hard to say. Um I of course look up to their performances and I enjoy studying uh, the the people that have taken on Kuniganda before me. But at the end of the day, it's all about your interpretation and what you're going to bring to this role so it comes to a point where you have to turn off the recordings you have to hit stop and you've got to just go with what you can give and the only person I can compare myself to is who I was yesterday so I think it's just moving forward making sure that I'm taking the right steps to prepare the role and to prepare myself dramatically and just give the Michigan audiences the best performance I can
1: Monica, you've done a good deal of European opera, some translated into English. What are the differences in preparing a role in your own language which contains the original text?
2: Yeah, that's it's actually quite a luxury. It's um, really fun to sing in English because you are experiencing on stage at the exact moment what your other co-workers are experiencing, your co- my colleagues on stage, and the audience. Sometimes with european opera opera in languages other than english when i'm singing out i actually don't see other people's eyes i see them looking at the translations so that can be a, a bit of a bummer because it feels like you're missing a connection there but when singing in english you feel like you're right there with the audience and you're right there with the other characters and um yeah, it's really exciting.
1: Monica, you spent 1 year as a member of the Michigan Opera Theater Studio Resident Artist Program and are returning to us as an alumna in this production. How does how does a program like Michigan Opera Theater prepare young singers for a career in this business?
2: I think the coolest part of the Michigan Opera Theater Studio, at least for me, was getting to know the staff at Michigan at Michigan Opera Theater. Um, getting to brush shoulders with people like David DeKira, Richard Leach, Stephen Lord. And then on top of that, meeting these colleagues that I got to share the year with, people whom I hope to be in my professional network for the rest of my life. That's huge. It's huge to make those connections. And Detroit was a really cool city to spend the year in. I felt like I grew a lot, not only as an artist, but also as a person, um, and I'm really thankful for that year that I had. So returning as an alumna is very exciting. Um, I feel like I, uh, again, it's like a returning home and I'm really
0: looking forward to it. Yeah. We're welcoming you back with open arms, Monica. Thank <laughs> you. excited to have you back. Um, I wondered if there's anything more you wanted to share with us about the production of Candide or coming back to Michigan Opera Theater or yeah. anything at or all. Or something
1: we may have forgot to ask you. Or...
0: Right. Hmm. Well, um, I think one of the most beautiful things about Candide
2: is the idea of cultivating your own garden and letting your garden grow, and I love that idea, and um, if you haven't already talking to the audiences here, get yourself a copy of Candide and read it before the show, because I think you'll find... um, The literature is incredible, and it's a great way to introduce yourself to the opera.
0: Thank you so much, Monica. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today.
2: You are welcome. I'll just try to uh, warm up a little bit for me,
0: will you? (laughs) We will. We'll try to. We'll do our best.
1: (laughs) And thank you, too, to everyone listening to our glimpse of Candide. Don't miss this Best of All Possible Productions at the Macomb Center for the Performing Arts on March 9th and 10th and at the Berman Center for the Performing Arts on March 16th and 17th.
0: To purchase tickets to Candide or to find more information on the opera, visit our website at michiganopera.org. You can also connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again to Jake Neer and WDET for their assistance in producing this podcast, and we'll see you at the opera.